Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning, let it pour. Tonight we're in the groove together. Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather. Gonna kick old trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble on drum. Beat out. Good afternoon. Welcome to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. If you need a toilet break, don't despair. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Empress Dale Bridge, Dowager, how are, how, how are they going? I'm reasonably well. How are you, Joe? I've never seen you so calm. <laughs> okay. What's going on? Oh, not a great deal, obviously. That's why you can't. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's good to see you back here again, and uh, obviously we've got a guest as usual. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd just like to remind listeners that if they know somebody who's interesting, or they may even be interesting and they want to be interviewed, they can always contact me on 0439 395 489, 0439 395 if you're interested, we'll interview you, because we only interview interesting people here on Radical Australia. Isn't that correct, Dale? That's correct. Yes, we do have an interesting gentleman today, and as usual, I'm going to slip over his name. It's Mr. Is it Mr. or Doctor? M- Mr. Let's say Mr. Mr. Halaki Ganyu. Thank you. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You should see how I mutilate people's names. Halaki, it's unbelievable. That's the first go, and I think that's really good. No, that's after you taught me. I thought it was Ginu, but it's Ganyu. All right, that's G-A-N-Y-U. Yeah. All right, Halaki, simple. We only ask two questions. You have 55 minutes to answer them. The first one takes 10 seconds. Right. Just to orientate listeners, what year were you born? I was born in 1961. 61. So you're a relatively young man compared to me. You're 10 years younger than I am. So you're relatively young. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, thank you, you are. <laughs> you're old in comparison to Dale. I'm obviously younger than you. I mean, that's... Yeah. that's it's not hard. Case. It's not hard. Obvi- no. Obvious is the key word. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Lucky. Just remember, I'm asking the questions. You're going to be in a <laughs> difficult time here. Now, and a second question. What's the first thing you remember about being on planet Earth? What's the first thing you remember? The first thing I remember being mm. on planet Earth mm. is probably when I was around about two, I think. Mm-hmm. Something about my older sister having a, some sort of breakdown, having some sort of drama, mm-hmm. and my father mm-hmm. was getting involved, restraining her, holding her. Kind of like a dream, vivid dream, but... Right, That's right. really the very first thing that I remember. Um, in, um, 
Yeah, it's sort of not, not inside the house, but outside the house in the compound. Right, right. You, yeah. used, you used the word compound. That's an interesting word because it's not a word we would use in Australia. Well, so what, what is a compound? Well, well I, I guess what I said, comp, listen, we, 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 we first introduced with old English yeah. language. Right. We stuck with that. Yeah. <laughs> We're still there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's one of maybe one of the words come from that. And yeah. uh, the compound is where you have... Uh, um, uh, homestead where you have a circle of houses, right. uh, maybe even units, mm-hmm. but using the same sort of um, central part as the same right. as a common area. Was was it a family compound or was, was it, it was a family compound? Right. Uh, was uh, my I guess my my own family, my own parents' mm-hmm. house, and then my uncle and one of my aunties, mm-hmm. uh, one of my aunties. So that that's. That's sort of, yeah, family and extended family. Family, all in the same. All in the, the same, same, yeah. Using the central as, as a common area. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And the kitchen and all that. And where was that? This is in uh, southern Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Um, I um, came from uh, southern Ethiopia and uh, northern Kenya, mm-hmm. which is in East Africa. Right. Um, but I must say, it's not, it's not, it was not in the urban area, it was in a rural area. Mm-hmm. With a rural area uh, where you. Uh, where we lived, and so that, that's that's where the that's where that happened. When you say s- southern Ethiopia, is it, is it is a particular ethnic group? Or? The southern Ethiopia is uh, the the lot of ethnic. Well, I think maybe I say something about Ethiopia. Yes, it's, yes, yes. It's uh, eighty-five uh, languages and uh, dialects in Ethiopia, but the major ones uh, probably would be. Oromo. Oromo is one of the um, major ethnic groups in Ethiopia, like mm-hmm. let's say 40% of 100 million people today. Mm-hmm. Ethiopia is, I think, 100 million people in terms of population. Uh, Oromo constitutes uh, 40 million, and I'm part of that. So that's southern. That part of the south is where they were part of Oromo mm-hmm. uh, people live. Uh, and then there's uh, Amharic, which is the national language, actually, uh, the second largest group where there mm-hmm. might have been there might have been 20% or something like that so yeah so that's the Oromo is Oromo the, mm. is it what are the differences between as the two groups are there any major differences between the two groups uh, I would say that the language is different mm-hmm. they speak different language and um, um I think the language is different. Culture is slightly different. Uh, I don't know what else I can say. Um, I think Oromos are originally um, um, uh, cattle herders. Or cattle herders, right. Uh, you know, uh, cattle herders, cattle mm. keepers. Mm. Where Amaros are from the north. Right. Oh, yes. This is, in terms of geographical, this yes. is geographical yep. difference, south mm. and north. Yep. Amara being at the north mm. and the Oromos are from the south. From Addis Ababa towards my hometown, which is the last... The last frontier of, you know, for Ethiopia to Kenya. Kenya. Yeah, right. it's a border town. It's a border town. Border town. Right. And uh, that's the last town for Ethiopia, if you like. Mm. Uh, but so, th- so there's a geographical difference and also uh, the language, linguistic differences. Mm. Um, you know, uh, to some degree, you might even say religious, um, because a bunch of uh, Oromos were, were, you know, converted to Muslim, but prior to that, they had their own traditional spiritual right. religion. Where mm. 
linked to the environment and that kind of stuff. So there are some differences, but there are a lot of commonality. Commonality. Commonalities things as well, especially right. in the last hundred years, right. so where they were known as one. There country. are no, there are no significant disputes between the two groups in Ethiopia. I think the struggle has been the power struggle. Power struggle. Uh, even right. though Romo being the one of the largest ethnic group in their country, uh, they never really had a significant uh, uh, share of the the, the the running of the country. Right. And in the last three four years, uh, a lot of demonstrations have been put up. In that country, and uh, uh, there are a lot of strive and a lot of demonstration by young people and just ordinary people, mm. and a lot of people are being, you know, um, lost their life unfortunately. In this, so to continue in this, mm. in this and almost had a major front for this, mm-hmm. front runners for this, for this, and Amaras uh, as well, um, but they joined later on. But uh, so uh, now things are changing. Uh, even today, um, apparently, there's a UN Home of Representative, uh, United States. Mm. They had, a, they've been understanding these issues in Ethiopia, right, human right, right violations. And mm-hmm. I think they made a decision today on what they call HR 128, mm-hmm. House Resolution 128. They passed that. The government have to make some, have to, uh, have to make a major, major changes mm-hmm. in that country in terms of the human mm-hmm. rights and, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh democracy. Mm. Uh, this has come as a result of last four years of uprising, protesting, protesting yes. uh, a peaceful demonstration, by the right, way. Right. <laughs> no one has held a gun or anything like that, mm. just peaceful demonstrations. Perfect, and I yeah. think it's incredible what, uh, what you can achieve in that. Uh, Ethiopia has just woken up to woken up. What, can be, what can be achieved through uh, peaceful means. Right. But, uh, because because there was a, it's a violent history, the Ethiopian. Absolutely. Very violent in the last, what, 50 years or... Well, uh, the last twi- it's always been, I think, the cessation of government in the last uh, 100 and maybe 50 years has mm. been through the barrel of the gun. gun yep. It's always been whomever is powerful, whomever, mm. what that means of got bigger power, big, yes. bigger gun, yep. we used to take over mm. and happened to be from the north mm-hmm. the whole time. It's mm. always been from the north, from the yeah. north, never, yeah. never from the south. But in the last 27 years, um, uh, particularly by the gun. Yeah. Right now it's by the gun. There's a, there's a set of emergency in Ethiopia right now on those protesters mm-hmm. uh, where they, they, they had a mandate to shoot. To shoot. Maybe three young people hanging around together or whatever, you know, to shoot, to kill, to maim. And I mean, mm-hmm. that's a state of emergency, a national state of emergency mm-hmm. on these uh, people who are protesting. So it's a country of violence. Mm-hmm. Country of, I mean, uh, not the people, but the government certainly has, this no. has been. All right. Well, getting back to your life when you were a young Sorry. boy, let's get back to your life. You, I assume your parents aren't still alive. Uh, my mother, my, my my biological mother is alive. Right. Um, mm, that's interesting. You said biological. Biological mother. So what what happened in? It, it, it's, it's interesting. I mean, remember I mentioned that uh, when I was two, that, mm. uh, there was a vivid memory that my older sister was having some difficulty, and my mm. dad was, my yeah. father was restraining her. Mm. Actually, I learned later on that that particular day was significant because my mother was leaving the family. Right. That day, my mother left my family, and and that brought a lot of crisis in the family. Mm. So my older sister, whom I can I don't know now because mm. she actually passed away around about the same time. Right. She, uh, uh, that as, is, is a reaction to that 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 mm. family breakup, and uh, 
to give it a bit, a bit of information about that, I learned later on that my mother actually from a different clan mm-hmm. than my father, mm-hmm. where they have some sort of quarrel. I don't know, the true clans have some quarrel. Mm-hmm. Not my mom, my mother and my father, mm-hmm. but the, the, the ethnic group. So her side of the ethnic group, um, led by her older brother, you know, all the yep. men have control on ladies on those days Ladies, and yeah. uh, he just um, came and announced with a group of men with their guns and he said now you need to leave this family this guy mm-hmm. um, and she's like my kids mm-hmm. but it was such a it was a very difficult day that day and that's how she was taken away mm-hmm. and how, how many brothers and sisters do you have? at the time uh, we were four Mm. Hold on. Yeah, four, two girls and two boys. Mm. And they were left, you were left with your dad? We left, yeah. Mm. All four of us left with my dad, and I was two, and like mm. I said. There was another little baby. Oh, well, that, no, sorry. The, there was a youngest girl who was maybe, I'm not sure, maybe 12 months or right. whatever, still mm. breastfeeding, and mm. she, the, my, our mother took her uh, with her. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, that was another different pro issue, but. Uh, but with my father, I guess four of us, I mean three of us remain. Mm. Myself, my brother mm. and my sister was not well. Mm. Um, then my father remarried. Uh, he was a very smart man, I must say, a very wise, very thoughtful man. And mm. uh, he got remarried to marriage of convenience, probably I would say today. Yes. Uh, to this lady who was um, not uh, able to give um, char- uh, uh, what do you call it? Birth, Her yeah. birth mm. and but she was wanting children, mm-hmm. and uh, this mm-hmm. is an opportunity. This is how this uh, society works. Works, I understand. Without that. anybody's interference. Right. Just the elders and the, the yes. cultural. Mm-hmm. It's uh, really incredible, and that's how they're done. And uh, so she was happy. My father was happy. Mm-hmm. And, and so we brought up, myself and my brother was brought up by uh, what I call really my real mother. Yes, yes. I call her my real mother. And, yes, uh, yes. Um, and then uh, we didn't meet our biological mother until... Later, in fact, I went for for holiday from Melbourne, uh, 1992. I think my first holiday from here. That's when I met her in the compound. Oh, <laughs> same this is a new compound this time. This is a small town, new right. compound, and yeah. Uh, yeah. there she was, and she was really all over me. And uh, yeah. I said to my father, "Who's that?" <laughs> he said, "What a father, auntie? What is it?" Yeah. He said, "No, no, no, no. This is." This is a lady who's supposed to be your mom. I said, what do you mean? I've got a mom. No. The biology. <laughs> Which is that a big surprise for you? It was no? a big surprise. That was just a big surprise. I mean, so I, you thought this other uh, the woman who looked after you, you thought she was your biological mother? Well, yeah, that's what I thought because yeah. I never knew any different. Right. And I wish she was my biological mother. Yes, that's yes. The way she brought us up is yeah. just incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And... Yeah. Uh, uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, spoiling and indulgence, but uh, yeah. which I didn't mind. No, I'm sure you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, that was. Uh, then I, I ended up having two mothers, and I said to myself, "Hold on, wait a minute." <laughs> got two mothers, uh, you never know what's in store for us in life, do you? Yeah, well, you, you, never really, you, really you never know. You never know. Well, getting back as a young boy, did, um, what, what was education like in Ethiopia in those days? Um, our part of our oh, part of Ethiopia was really the far south and uh, from the mainstream. The country was centralized system. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that's, you know, far, I mean, distant proximity from Addis Ababa, mm-hmm. which is the, the capital city, <laughs> you are, you didn't the exist. resources get dwindles yeah. and the attention dwindles. And uh, where I was, uh, there was no schools. Uh, we live in a, it's interesting, somebody asked me, uh, 
few years ago, I mean, a fellow uh, uh, counselor or psychologist, and he said to me, well, you know, you must have been really had a great life in you, where you grew up because, you know, here you are educated and you're very successful and all that. And I mean, you know, and I said, and he said, uh, what, what kind of class were you? What kind of, you know, like yeah. socioeconomical class were you in? Yeah. And I, I thought about it and I said, well, if, where we, the place where I was, everybody is it's kind of the same. Right. You know? And I said, the wilderness class. He <laughs> 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 I mean, was laughing. It's like, yeah. So what do you mean? I said, well, everybody was like kind of, you know, yeah. living yeah. in an in a, in a environment where there was no no police station, there was no schools, there was no nothing. Everybody just rare cattle and right. natural environment and so wild so animals. And yeah. So as a young man, were you involved in rearing cattle? I did, I did. What, what, what uh, was well, your role? We, we have, uh, in our society, uh, uh, everything is sort of age-bound. I mean, every eight years, right. you have transition. Right. So zero to eight, you would be looking after little little calves. Right. You know, that we're cattle, so we love cattle, and yeah. so we look after little calves and little babies, and mm-hmm. they can, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, that's what I did. I've done that. Mm-hmm. Um, I left uh, that life when I was like 10, but I, my role was very much really looking after the calves, mm-hmm. and also looking for um, a greener uh, leaves and things like that when uh, during, the, during the dry seasons. Mm-hmm. Would you actually... Be living at home and coming home at night, or would you be actually living outside the compound? When I was with the not to eight, yeah, not not to eight. I mean, not to eight. Uh, yeah, I was living at home. Right. But in the morning, the, the everybody leaves the the the, the, the village. Let's right. say the village. Everybody right. leaves the village, yeah. and uh, you take the the calves out and mm-hmm. um, to the grazing, and yeah. other adults will take the the the, um, the older. I mean, the the, car, the cattle mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. for grazing yep. because we yep. don't keep them in the. Yes. In the village, right. we take them out right. into into the nature, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of dangers out there. I mean, there's you know uh, wild animals there, mm-hmm. and uh, this you know cattle need to be looked after. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a real environmental sort of survival. And but mine was looking after the little calves not far from the village, right. and then now and then also you have, you have supervisors who come and check it out check out how things are going because sometimes we play and forget about the whole thing. <laughs> That's exactly right. Exactly right. So, what happened when you turned ten? When I was I turned ten, I had to come. Uh, well, uh, the life was changing a bit, and my father said that I think somebody has to go to school mm-hmm. and learn this. You know, this this uh, this uh, town language, which was Amharic then. Amharic. Yeah. So that you can, you know, we can you can interpret for us and things yeah. like that. And I was, you know, everybody was putting a finger to me. So he should go. So you you were speaking Amharic and um, I wasn't speaking at the time. But my father wanted someone to go to town, learn that language, go right. to school through the right. school system, become Ethiopian. Right. Yes. Um, and and we see ourselves different from Ethiopia because right. we didn't have anything to do with the with the government. Yep. Mm-hmm. So this. My father was saying that I think life is changing, so some of us we have to go to school cool. right. and learn this new system. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, I went to my first school. I went to was only t- till the, uh, grade two. Mm-hmm. When you reach grade two, you graduate. Mm-hmm. That's it. Done. That was it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so I've done my grade two, and that's it. Back to the, <laughs> back to the village again. <laughs> so, so you actually lived in the in the town. Boarding school was it? It's more, no, no, it's uh, a small, tiny, small town. But yes. there was a relative the, uh, right. who were living in there. Yeah, yeah. It was not even a village. It's just a big t- village. It's not even yeah. a town, really, because yeah, yeah. uh, all the features. What, what could there. you learn in two years? Well, I think you learn how to, the alphabets, right? The Ethiopian alphabet, which I think you might, there's so many of so many letters. Mm. 
and then uh, you learn how to write your name, mm-hmm. and probably, probably, uh, uh, probably uh, learn how to uh, take some instructions and things. Like. I think later I realized that the people who were teaching us were army. There was army barrack nearby, right. so our teachers were army. Right. So every the, every little bre- during the break during the day, all the exercises I remember now is was actually mili- military drilling. Military drilling. You know, right. it's, it's 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 incredible. So what I realized. Later on is that they were preparing well, us, yeah. Yeah. just a minimum education, yeah. just preparing us to, 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 be, to be soldiers. Mm. And, you know, things like marching all day. Yeah, and, yeah. And you know, 10, 11 year old. The, te, that's right. Just mm. marching all day, carrying on running and fitnesses right. and flexibilities mm. and things like that. And, mm. and in the middle of the town. This happened in the middle, because there's no cars. So no, <laughs> in the right. middle of the town. Yeah. Um, and so I realized now that that was actually what it was for. However, my father still realized that we need to move away from this somewhere else uh, to, another, to another town where there's a primary school where my aunt lived. And that's where I really started proper mm-hmm. primary school. And this is now Kenya border right. where I studied Kenya side as well. There was a missionary in Kenya side, St. Mary. Right. So you went to Kenya to Ke- primary school well, or just on the border? Oh, yeah. Bo- I went to both. Right. I went both. to both. Yeah, right. And somehow I'll go to the other one. Right. I was trying to catch up. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed. Did you enjoy school? I, I really did. I, I, this is maybe one of the best thing, uh, best thing in my life was studying. Not only in, not only in Africa, even here in Melbourne. Yes. I always wanted to study. I always wanted to read. Mm. I always wanted to mm. imagine. So, um, so, did your brother get the same opportunities, or did he stay what, home? What happened with my brother? He did, uh, but uh, you know, the, the 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 first school of uh, grade one to two, he fell in grade one. <laughs> He's older brother. He's older brother of mine, right? <laughs> I don't believe that. I mean, he falling. He he fell grade one, right. and I went to grade two. Yes. And he's in grade I, I, one. It was a bit, bit of shame because he's older than me. He was yeah. two years older than me. Yeah. And my father's like, mm, really? "This is not for you. Not for you. <laughs> Go back to the cattle. Back to the cattle. Yeah. <laughs> exactly." Yeah, all right, so, so uh, you did primary school. What, <laughs> what did you do after primary well, school? Well, and then what happened was it was a lot of drama actually because uh, the school was just uh, two years six and that's it. You need mm-hmm. to go to another place, another, right. uh, completely another town. So. Now the next town from there was uh, maybe about three hundred k's, and uh, I went there. Um, year seven. Mm-hmm. Now, while I was in year seven, there was now now there is a Mangistu where there's a, uh, there's a, there's a uh, uh, yeah, military dictatorship, military dictatorship yeah, yeah. Uh, communist, that's all yeah. the And uh, the young people are always fighting, yeah. like going out on the street and protesting against you know this military, yeah. mighty military. Yes, uh, were, you know armed by Russians and all mm. that, and they were yeah. like incredible. Mm. And young people as young as year seven. Mm. And I was my fresh freshman there, year seven, starting in my town. I don't know anyone. Mm. We were coerced into this protest, and I got caught. Mm. Uh, the process went wrong, mm. went went crazy, and the whole everybody was get caught. We'd run into the bush, and we get caught and put in a prison. To make story short, three and a half months of hard labor, mm. and I had no fifteen, fourteen. I was about, I think I was about fourteen. Yes. Yes. Because in my primary school, I did in a few years. Right. I had that background yes. of the year, grade, grade yeah. two, which I never tell anyone. I didn't so tell so the school. So at 14, you're a political prisoner. I was political prisoner for yeah. three and a half months and right. hard labor. My right. ma- fam- None of my family existed there. Right. And the funny thing was that in Ethiopian prison, your family has to bring you food, meal. Mm. 
the government doesn't provide. So, I mean, in a town where I've gone, I don't know nobody. 300 kilometers from your family. 300 kilometers in those days where there's not even proper road, mm. no buses, no transport. Mm. So, I, nobody so how did you survive? Well, it was really, uh, uh, it's going to be a big story, but uh, they divide the, the entire school was out there. They started high school, seven, year 7 to 12. All um, in prison. All in prison, <laughs> but they separated. Uh, anyone over ni- year 9, year 9 to 12, they took them elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But year 7 to 8, the two first year 7 to 8, we, the youngest, so we put the, they put us separate mm-hmm. in a military camp. Yeah, yeah? Right. While I was in there, the first two days, somebody... Someone kept coming and calling the name of somebody's name, mm-hmm. bringing their food. Yes. <laughs> now, the parents were not allowed to come, but someone mm. else was supposed to bring food for them. Mm. So they didn't want that attachment, that closeness, yes. you see. Right. And um, these people just keep calling this, young, this person's name, and nobody you know, well, it's not here. One day, one of the old, like, one of the disabled guy who was put with the kids with us but he's very mature mm. he said to me that he took me under his wing and everything mm. and he said to me that when they if they call that name again I want you to go out there and get that, that food for us mm. I was like oh no my god he said no no no, no. You, gotta, <laughs> you gotta do it yeah. because it's not gonna be his parent they don't know you yeah. you gotta do it yeah. you get to do it and uh, these guys were charismatic, and he's got this big stick, and I'm scared right. of the stick he's using. <laughs> and I said, me. But it, to make a story short, the three and a half months I was eating this. Uh, Somebody else's somebody food. Else's food. <laughs> and he's in the other camp, which is right. far from the town. Right. Yeah. And the worst came because one day uh, the parents uh, was allowed to send somebody in to see their son. Because mm. these people, they had a chemist, the only chemist in town. They were mm. highly, they had high status. And yes. now uh, the, the the guard came to me and he said, "Look, your parents is coming to <laughs> your parents sent somebody to come and see you." I I, I just wanted to die. <laughs> like, what's really what's really incredible. Yeah. And uh, but to. I was lucky that the person who came is an ambulance driver, yeah. not necessarily his, and he doesn't know this boy. Oh, and I don't know how that happened. It's just a miracle. Yeah. And he came and looked at me and said, oh, you lost a lot of weight from what I hear. Your mom said, you're really... I said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Deception I mean, worked. Yeah, anyway, I mean, it's a survival. You just, that's the extent you go to sometimes. Right. So survive. about three and a half months, where did they send you? Um, after that, I, I have to go home. That's it. We've been, uh, we, we were, we were, what, what do you call it? Forgiven or yeah, that's so language, no, I think. Yeah, that's just too many. So yeah. did you continue your education after that? Anything I after? did, and I think uh, that's where my activism started mm. from that time. Um, I think what they didn't understand is that everybody, who all those kids who went to that prison, uh, you know, uh, they, they just changed. We mm. all changed. Mm. Because you re- we realized what this government was, what the government was about. Mm. We understood them, and, um, and 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 activism started for me. I went back to my hometown, then I pushed the the local government, the the, the government, the, the administration that they have to reopen the school, they have to extend the school. Mm-hmm. Then somehow they they built year seven and eight. In some shanty sort of place, I said, "Just bring the teachers. Wow. We don't care about beautiful school. Yeah. Just the teachers." Mm-hmm. I became the head of the, the, the students there, right. and I was advocate of speaking. I was, mm-hmm. um, so, what? You're sixteen, seventeen. I was seven. now sixteen, seventeen. Yes, I uh, finished year seven and mm-hmm. eight there, 
and I was the head of the school, uh, the youth. Mm. I went to different conferences in, inside in the um, other part of the, the the country in our region, and I was also very good in sport. I used to play soccer and volleyball. I was actually number one in that region. I used to really volleyball. jump and. What are your fingers sport. like today? Uh, well, what, <laughs> no. you don't have arthritis. Do no, 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 no. I, mean, no, no, no. Um, no. I was very active in, in a community, and uh, yeah, right. I was in theatre and uh, stuff like that. What type of theatre? Uh, I think we just uh, we were, we were used to um, um, how do you call it? Uh, what type of theatre? Uh, uh, was educational, educational, theater. mostly educational. Right. So it wasn't traditional, educational. Tra- educational. It was most mostly educational, uh, right. dancing and mm-hmm. uh, entertaining the town. And right. I think there was influence of the the communist government as well, right. um, where they were really using that uh, to pacify the people and right. uh, involve in a lot of those things. So, so from there, I went to another town, did year nine. My education process was really struggle. It was a struggle. Another mm. town, year nine, there was no one looking after you. It was another struggle. Then from there, I went to Addis, where one of my uncle well, had, uh, you know, he's relatively well off and mm. had a house there. And I did, you know, up to year eleven in Addis. Um, and then uh, the interesting thing is when I came back after that to my hometown. Uh, people uh, start and uh, my activism, mm. the, the record of being in prison. I start feeling that uh, there's a stigma, there's a stuff against me that uh, right. uh, it's not good. You don't employ him or... We yeah. employ him. And also I went to Addis Ababa, which is a big city. And when mm. I came back, people started being threatened. And my situation has changed. I was quite articulate. Mm. And uh, then um, I just felt that uh, there's a lot of future for me there. Right. How old were you then? About 20? 19, I was 20? about 19. 19. 19 20, just 20, 20, you're right. Yeah. yeah. I just felt it's not right, and I start feeling a bit depressed even. Mm. Um, and uh, and uh, being, being uh, you know, being ta- not taunted, but being uh, harassed by by the, the local militias and right. cadres. They call them cadres, yes. the, the, the political yeah. cadres, and mm. being harassed by them. And and I said, I said to my father that uh, oh, I'm not quite sure about this. Mm-hmm. what's going to happen to me. Yeah, yeah, it could just disappear. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. he said, oh, son, you know, these people are a bit crazy, don't worry, you just put your head down or whatever. But I just, you know, because living on, the, this is another advantage of living on the border, I just crossed the border, right, into Kenya. going to Kenya. Right. Went to Nairobi and I registered the UN and um, at the UN, um, they said, well, you don't fit into refugee category or something. I don't know, something happened there. Yeah. And I left in 2012, 2000, not 12, 2000, no, hold on, 19, I beg your pardon, 1980, 1982, I think, 83, yes. 83, 83, I went, I crossed to Kenya, Somalia. Somalia, you went from Kenya to Somalia? Somalia. Just when Somalia, Somalia was starting to disintegrate. Somalia was scary at the time, yeah. but I just went to it. Right. <laughs> right. I couldn't go back. Right. Kenya was, no. it's interesting when I came to Kenya, there was a queue. Mm-hmm. And I said, these things just following me. Yes. Come to Nairobi, just a cool. The Air Force wanted to get rid of the Kenyan government. Right, right. So you went to Somalia? I went to Somalia. How Somalia long were you there for? I was there till 2000. And, sorry, I keep, to this too. I, I keep saying about 1985. So three years. In November 1985. That in, wouldn't uh, have been. It was, was a very difficult time. It was a very difficult time. One night we stayed. Especially we came from Ethiopia. Ethiopia just had a war with Somalia. And Somalians were just uh, 
really suspecting us as uh, spies. As a spies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I particularly kind of, kind of look like, my feature look a bit like Somali, and mm. they were like, so, this might be even the one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just in disguise. Yeah. Um, the interest, I worked for UN um, mm. as, a, as, a, as a junior worker there, but mm. uh, at night, we keep, I keep changing where, where I stay. One night I'm in oh. Collingwood, the next day I'll be somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the, during the day, everybody's happy and just relaxed. But when the suns go down, but I also have informants. Mm. People who tell me that, oh, these people, some, sometimes it's just manipulated, yeah, <laughs> get yeah. something out of me. But uh, there was a lot of fear. Mm. I really developed a situation where I couldn't sleep properly. Mm. Mm. And um, thanks God for first time, the Australian immigration. Department of Immigration sent somebody to, to, to Mogadishu, where mm. I was. So 50 of us went. What I said first time means for Africans. It was the first yes. time. Yes. So the 50 of us went into that interview, and I was one of them. And, and out of that, five of us had an opportunity to come to Australia out of those 50. So and I was, num- I was number one. What in that. year was that? It was 1980. 1984. So you would have been one of the first waves of Ethiopians Absolutely. to come here. And I arrived here in 1984, November 1985. All right. And uh, no preparation, no, no idea. Mm. I didn't care. No. I just looked at the map no. where Australia was well, yeah. in the world. This is far enough. <laughs> far enough. <yeah. laughs> this is far enough. Yeah. From all the trouble, think about Ethiopian experience yeah. of mine. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of. Then look at the Kenya. Yeah. Then Somalia. Mm. Bro- the war is brewing. Yes, yes. And then, of course, they go. They go for the foreigners first. That's that's, you know. Yeah, that's right. That's it was a, was a, was a really difficult situation. It's uh, 4:37. This is Community Radio Station 3 South. This is Radio Australia. We are interviewing Halaki Ganyu. And uh, Dale's doing all the hard work. I will let uh, Hayaki get, have, have a bit of a drink. We've now arrived in the land of milk and honey, they say, Australia. <laughs> All right, how old were you when you got here? About 20? I think 21 I was. Yeah. I think 21. And um, where'd you end up? Sydney, Melbourne? Melbourne. Oh. I was initially bound for Sydney, but for yeah. some reason... Uh, what did you think of when you walked outside the airport? At the airport itself, I mean, uh, it was a huge culture shock. Mm. Everybody is white. Right. Like, I mean, everybody <laughs> well, was, in those days. Yes. It was incredible. Like, right. everybody was... Including the one who's coming to help. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, look around. I was like, actually, even before that, mm. because the flight was so, for someone who's never been on plane before, mm. the flight was so long. Yeah. It just fraternity goes and goes. Mm. Yeah. I kept seeing at the horizon, you know, like mm. blue. I mean, like, it just goes. We're exhausted. Mm. And uh, everybody's white. Um, then. Uh, we went to this place at, uh, called Williamson Road in, in Maribona, where, where there's a high point now, just mm. near high point. There's a migration, migrant center, migrant center, I think. Um, but it was beautiful. I mean, it's green and, mm. it came from Somalia, where it was yeah. old rocks. rocks. Yeah. For Ethiopians, it was huge shock for us in yeah. Somalia. Because you can't <laughs> see anything green, no grass, no, no nothing. Nothing, yeah. But Australia was, mm. even though it's all white and it's all mm. strange, Mm. But yet it's very green and lovely. Green mm. and really lovely. It was beautiful. It's just inspiring, you know. It's like, it's very inspiring. Yeah. So what type of educational opportunities have you took advantage of when you got to Australia? I, um, when I was, um, when I was in, um, 
in Somalia, I was working with the expatriates and mm-hmm. with the UN. Uh, there were social workers and, yes. and people like that. And I always wanted to do that. And, and I, I think that those people, I was inspired by what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Some of them were doing really a lot of work. And I was inspired by that. And uh, when I came here, I wanted to do uh, social work. I think at first I remember I tried to do something in environmental science. Right. I knew something is coming. You know, <laughs> in terms of the yeah, world. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. <laughs> it's interesting you say that, John, because uh, I rely on my intu- When you're in a situation intuition, like that in your life, you went on your intuition a lot. Mm. I left from that wilderness to mm. all this on my own with mm. no plans, no pap, mm. no preparation. Right. Um, intuition was, intuition was the thing that I was relying on. And uh, my intuition was saying, well, I think this stuff going to change. So, but I wasn't quite, uh, anyway, that didn't happen. So I would defer, I deferred Aramite a few times actually. Right. Three times in a row. And finally I said to so finally I, 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 I enrolled in uh, uh, what they call uh, um, uh, intercultural studies, studying about migration. Mm-hmm. I needed to understand. There were more people ahead of me, uh, my family anyway, so I said, I need to understand this. I need to ground myself in this. I need to understand. I need to see where I fit in the Australian culture. And, uh, mm. So I did that, what they call multicultural studies at right. RMIT. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a campus in Coburg, the Philip Institute. They had yeah. one there. And then mm-hmm. between the two, done that. And that was very supported. We were very, I was very supported, I must say, by the, by the, by the mm. RMIT at the time. Yeah. They were lovely lecturers. I still remember them. People like Professor Desmond Cahill, he was the head of that department, and it was re- they were really very good, supporting, encouraging. And did it lead to anything? It did, because from there I went to, uh, quickly I went to, and now I'm knowing that I'm, yes. I, I like to study more, so I went to La Trobe, and I did social work there, mm-hmm. further social work after I finished that. So how old were you when you got your social work degree? Uh, well, I've got my, let's work it out. I, um, um, I've got my social work degree in 19... 98. 98. But you went back to Ethiopia, you said, in 92, did you? Yeah, I went on a holiday. Oh, I went holiday. to see my family. Right. Did you, did you, did you, had you uh, formed any relationship? Did you get married in, in that interim? No, no. No, not at that stage. No, right? I had a girlfriend here. Yeah. When I came back, she, she thought that I was gone, but anyway. But no, actually, that was, but no. I no, we won't go. I didn't. I didn't. No. Um, uh, so, so in 98, you... You yeah, yeah graduate social work, work and I had a placement uh, somewhere in, in Carlton here and uh, uh, in counselling section. I took counselling as the area that I took. Did, in. did you specialise in any area, area of social work at that stage? Counselling. Counselling. Counselling is what, right. what uh, specialised in. Right. Specialized in. Right. Uh, the idea of my counselling is that uh, everybody has got a strength, you know, whether it's that intuition or whatever that might be in them. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to make sure I wanted to uh, tap into that. I want to help people to tap into that for themselves. Their own strength. Their yes. own strength mm-hmm. um, in a strength space. That that's where I was interested in. Yes, the theories are there. This was you know stuff we learn is there. But mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and I think um, I've, I've been doing that for the last uh, twenty years. And, twenty uh, years. Twenty years. Yeah, well, in in, uh, in uh, private or, or public? Well, private has been the last two years. Two but years. And so you spent eighteen years in the public sector. Public sector. T- Eighty years, even though I always had a day or, mm. or half a day, or, you know, I right. at my own private. So, so what, 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 what does your counselling entail? Um, well, okay, I mean, say in the public sector, you were employed to do certain things. What type of people were you counselling? Uh, their, their, their backgrounds, and what was the main issues you were you, you were discovering? 
Well, I, uh, uh, I was, my role was, uh, uh, my role was family and child counselor when yeah. I was in Carlton here at a place called Drummond Street Relationship Center. I was, I don't know what that's called now there, but, uh, mm. my work was dealing with, uh, young people and their families and strengthening the families, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, uh, what I was discovering is that, um, I mean, in terms of the clientele, you're dealing with people from, low socioeconomical background mm. to minority uh, minority in terms of um, whether it's gay or lesbian or whether mm. it's uh, migrant or mm. uh, that to so-called, I don't know whether it's mainstream anymore now, but so-called mainstream. Mm. Um, and, you know, affluent people, given, mm. given culture is where it was. Yes. And, you know, there's Melbourne Uni and there's a yeah. number yeah. of so businesses. So you've seen the whole spectrum of society. All the spectrum of people. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and uh, we had what they call a sliding scale where you look at people's income and you sort of work it from there. Mm. What I mean by that is there's some cost involved as if, as, as you know, as the income is... Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, what do you call increases, and uh, mm. so I saw a lot of things in that way. That really grounded me in terms of mm. understanding where people are coming from and what the issues that they were raising, mm. and a lot of issues that I, those days I, I used to remember is that it's something to do with, with relationship, connecting to others. Right. In this modern world, how do people connect? You know, and without those connections, what is actually, what's the effect of not having those positive connections with mm. others? Mm. Um, and uh, also type of society, type of families. Uh, there's no one ideal or typical family, but you know, it used to be in Australia, maybe there's what they call Australian families, but mm. things have changed. So mm. now uh, people are relating very different, in a different ways. Have you have you noticed over the last 20 years in your practice, because obviously you've counselled many people, that the issues have changed, that people come with you, or is it still the same issues about loneliness, interpersonal relationships? I think think it's actually, if anything, it increased. Mm. It increased. There's more deteriorated, if I must say so. Uh, You know, uh, depression and anxiety is just given. Those are the things that come as a presenting issue from Mm. doctors. Usually I get referral from doctors, and Mm. uh, such and such is... uh, depressed and, and, and not adjusting to uh, changes or people mm. I, I think I'm saying that it increased and now there might be two issues one is that there's awareness there mm. there's awareness out there in terms of mental health now uh, maybe less stigma maybe a little bit of less in, in, within, the, within, within people mm. uh, that could be one thing and, and the other thing is also that life is becoming very challenging for a lot of people um, things are not as easily accessible as before I mean the living standard has increased Uh, which have a lot of pressure on the relationships as well. Mm. Um, And um, so there are a number of factors, but, you know, there's a a broader political uh, issues as well uh, uh, that that people um, uh, are are struggling. And I think uh, uh, definitely those connections... Uh, those relationships and those connect, connections, connections, and that they think that deter- I think I'm saying things are deteriorating more. Mm. Than As a community, what well, we're fragmenting, you think? From, I think uh, that's the way I, that, that's the way I'm looking at. People don't get; they're not getting support. Things are highly regulated, mm. um, and and you got to go through a lot of hoops to get to get some support from Centrelink or from something, from some places. Mm. Uh, um, you know, people are stretched and. Uh, uh, that all these things, um, uh, uh, maybe I'm talking in a general right now, but I mm. think especially the clients that I'm working with, um, they're, they're having a lot of uh, pressure on them. And uh, now, particularly last two, last five years, six years, I was working. I'm working exclusively in, in the western suburbs, right. like in in in, in Wurrabee, in Footscray, those areas. Mm. 
And you can see a lot of that there. I'm sure there's other pockets of Melbourne as well. But mm. those areas are traditionally a bit marginalized as well anyway. But mm. um, there are a lot of social issues there. But mm. uh, there's connections, mental health issues. is mm. is one of them. Uh, do, you find, do you find greater issues in migrant communities in terms of adjusting? And I think I can only talk this for about the African... I can yes. comment on the African communities and... Mm. Uh, um, I must say that uh, the African community is particularly struggling. Um, we, being the first kind of group who came here in the 80s, we, first of all, we're new in this country. Yes. I mean, mm. coming in the 80s, 30 years, it's not. No, it's, no, it's nothing. It's nothing. There's no structured. There's no structured organization or community no. here. Yeah. It's all mm. skeleton. You see a lot of names of African organizations, yeah. and when you go close to it, they're it's not just, there. They're it's, just skeletons. It's a skeleton. And yeah. Uh, yeah. and 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 the vulnerable. Uh, and then we the community is rep- uh, overrepresented by young people. Young people means up to 25, 26, 27, overrepresented, mm. over 50 percent. Over 50 percent. Over 50 percent is these young people. Mm. Then when you now these young people are quite, quite. Um, uh, I mean, I think the issue is really demonstrative through them in the society in, in Melbourne. Yes. You know, they demonstrated through the young people. The young people don't keep things that so they bring it out to yeah. the public. Yeah. They bring it out to the public, and they make you know they make they 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 have social issues, mm. uh, but they they're crying for help. Mm. Mm. You know they're crying for help. They, they, they but we don't seem to be interested as a community, do we? Well, unfortunately, it doesn't look like that. I mean, we look at it from uh, yes. I mean, we look at it from a law and order. It's a law and order. Yeah. Uh, from law and order, and from uh, um, yeah, from uh, um, persecutive, if you like. I'll just give you. An, I'm sure you, you're more than aware of this, but just for our listeners, I was um, looking at a news item yesterday about a young man in Gippsland. He was charged with 70 offences, and he was wow. a young, young European gentleman. And there was a little bit of kerfuffle, but there was no discussion that he was Caucasian or anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if an African had done that, was charged with all those offences, it'd be front page news and on the first lead item on the. Uh, Television for the next three days. It just seems to be like that these days. Do you think things have hardened views in the community regarding um, African migration? In, in the wider community. Wider community. I think there's a lot of stigma. Yeah, and you think, and just what you think the role of the media has in creating the, this? The, 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 the media is playing a big, big role here. Uh, they have this sensational uh, sort of aspect of media. And the interesting thing is that, you know, being here 30 years and uh, being professional and working with you know, having colleagues and places and sometimes getting involved, invited to some so, some social things in mm. mainstream services yeah. and people were like, oh, what about those African kids? <laughs> you know, it's really the first thing people raise with me. Yeah, what about, what about those African boys? Oh, why are they it's getting out of there? Getting out of control, aren't they? I mean, you really hear a lot. In fact, yeah. there was um, one night I was... A few weeks ago, one night I was coming from Money Pond mm-hmm. on a tram to Fuscray. It was in the evening getting a bit darker. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was getting a bit scared myself. <laughs> what's going to happen? I don't know. I mean, what's going to happen? And this fellow was just staring at me the whole time. Mm. And he looked a bit old, not even older, but he looked a bit, maybe, I don't know, there's something about him anyway. Mm. Then he came at the back of me and he, he murmured something, mm. saying something about, you need to remember, I think he said something about you need to remember your Bible. Those who hurt people will get hurt. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't make any sense. I didn't, I didn't know what that was. Uh-huh. Then I went home and thought, <laughs> when I thought about it, he was scared of me sitting in that, 
That's in right. a tram. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. But I was scared. Of it. <laughs> it, so it created this fear. Yeah. It created this fear, this mm. stigma, this mm. media sensation. It created fear between people. Mm. And I think it's really it's not good at all. Another quick anecdote that I was coming here just by taxi as you saw me. Yes. Because I, was, I thought I was running late, just from the city, and yeah. the taxi driver said, well, "Who are you? Where are you from?" All that kind of stuff. Yeah. He started the African kids. He was young, used <laughs> with me, and I was like, you, "If you only know where I'm going, yeah. I'm going to see CCR and have a chat with somebody." Uh, I, I think people then don't he, really understand. Then he changed, and he yeah. said that he said he's from Croatia. I think he said. Yeah, yeah. We used to, he said there are a lot of drugs and a lot of mafias and a lot of things goes out there, <laughs> but African kids, African. African people don't know th- those things. They don't understand those crimes things. Yeah. You know, they're just young people who are... Now he changed it. Yeah. <laughs> young people who are just acting out and playing yeah. and mucking around and breaking... Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, just petty little things. Uh-huh. And um, he was saying to me... Even, so, even taxi drivers think, talking about this? Yeah. Everybody's talking about this? Mm. Which makes life difficult for people, doesn't it? I think it really does. It really does. I mean, uh, yeah. um, especially when you're a minority and also visible... That's right. There are a lot of minorities out there, but minority. They are, the problem with Africans is that they're minority, and so they, then, then they're, they're visible, visible. Yeah. visible. And some of these young boys are they tall and yeah. whatever, and there's an issue there. I mean, it's a two-way thing. I mean, mm. yes, you have I had an attitude, I had a good attitude. I went to study here. I loved Australia. Mm. I was like, whoa, this is beautiful, man. No one's going to mm. chase me up. This is going to be great. Mm. Then. Um, also, people responded to me and, you know, at the right places. Yes. Let's yes. say the, you got the, the opportunity. I had the opportunity. People responded and, and to people me, aren't supported having, me. Yeah, and people aren't getting opportunities of being supported. At the moment, they're not getting that. No. That's no. exactly where yeah. it was. So I, I remember in the 60s, um, if we had a new migrant, I mean, I'm from a migrant background, if somebody new came into our street, yeah. we'd go up and knock on the door, bring a cake, have a chat, invite them in for a cup of tea, and you, there was this attitude that you needed to welcome the new person into the community, mm. but uh, it's difficult. Let's get back to you. Um, you mentioned God before. Does God play any part in your life? God? Hmm. Religion? Um, yes, yes. But I, 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 um, my background is from... Um, we, okay, we, 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 we came from um, a traditional belief... Mm-hmm. That we are one with the environment. Right. We are one with other creatures. Mm-hmm. We, you know, starting from I don't know, as small as little ants to mm-hmm. elephant, whatever. Right. We are one with with that. Mm-hmm. Harmony has to be maintained. Mm-hmm. This is not particularly uh, established established sort of religion, but it, no. it's a kind of environmental spiritual. Yeah, I'll say it's more spiritual. Which all, all, all First Nations people have the, yes, the same and, the animist and, and belief, yeah. Yes, and we, that's, that's, that's what we, it's, we believe there's one God and uh, we're all connected, we're all part of that God. Mm-hmm. So we, so my, the, the, the scripture that's given to me from my childhood, not a scripture, but as advice or direction given to me is that I need to start thinking what I think the God is. Mm-hmm. And I need to start doing what I think God is. Mm-hmm. You know, charitable, friendly, and right. supportive, and compassionate, and, right. and non-judgmental. As my, that's the ideal you should be working towards, not to kill, not to, not to harm anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that really fit with me. Um, mm-hmm. Because if I start thinking that, if God is that, then if I'm, Part of that God, then I should be. Mm. I should be also. 
I'm living by that. Right. Uh, so I'm empowered in that way, rather than I'm the victim and some big thing is coming come and do something to me. Me, right? Yeah, yeah. You're gonna get help. <laughs> you know I mean? So, so I'm empowered in that regard. Yeah. So, so this is this is what actually um, uh, the way I, I the way I, I, I relate to the to, to, to my world, if you like. Mm. Do, you, do you have any children today? I have. Uh, I have. Yeah, I've got. I have three children. Right. Um, Get two daughters. The one is tw- twenty-three, and then the one is doing VC at the moment. Ah, oh, they're old. Then I got yeah, they're old, and then I got remarried uh, yeah. not long ago, and mm. I've got a two-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Does it remind you of you as a two-year-old? <laughs> well, a lot of people actually say that. Um, a lot of people say he he doesn't remind. Look, I don't know. He's when a big mystery. Huh? When you look at him, do you think? Some of his character, I think yeah, I yeah, can see that, that. That was me. I think I can see some of his character. Yeah. Um, this yeah. boy is, interestingly, he's, not, he's oblivious of all the stuff we're talking about. I mean, in terms yeah. of the rules, regulations. Yeah. Oh, he's totally it's all about him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everything is about him. Yeah. Uh, but then again, you like him. He's cute. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you like him. <laughs> now, what I'm saying is he... he you may need counselling. He's... Um, uh, he does all this naughty stuff, but yeah, they're yeah. all cute. You know, they're all yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fine. Yeah, so you know, our hours nearly come to an end. Believe it or not, time just goes fast. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to ask you one question. You got That's any good. advice for people listening to this program? How to get the best out of life? Um, there's a there's a three things that I believe in um, that, that kind of guides me. One is that. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with anyone. We're all perfect. We're perfectly all perfectly uh, designed as human, and we're specials. We're all special in our own ways. That's one. And the second thing is that we're part of this wider abundance of things. There's no the the the, the, the policies and the certain groups of people for their own interests try to make things as scarce, but things are not as scarce. Things are abundance and and out there, and we all have rights access to that. Uh, I think the third one I said, no one is alone. We're all connected. We're all connected and no one is alone. These three things, being, uh, you're, you're being unique. Unique not in an in arrogant or in, 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 a, in a narcissistic way, but just in being important in this world you have important the second one being being you know there's you're part of this abundance like the air the oxygen the, the ocean the water the plants the, mm-hmm. the berries you know you're part of that and the third one is that no one is alone we're all connected we're all one this is one thing it's I want to say to I want to say I want to say to uh, that's what I raised in my sessions this is actually what I brought I brought something into my counseling session you asked me much earlier mm-hmm. and I didn't actually have a chance to mm-hmm. say to it I'm not going to say much but I brought this into it right. into the theories that Learned, mm. but I brought this. This came from that wilderness little place <laughs> that I started off, mm. and really, that's come from that. And um, it's been it's been um, uh, also um, uh, confirmed by a lot of other thinkers around the world as well. Mm. That this is why I usually in- incorporate into people who came and said, "I've got nothing in me, and I lost everything, right. and I'm blah blah, and I'm deprived." And yeah. so those three things I think is very useful. Okay. Right? Well, thank you. And 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 and, mm. and, and also uh, to strive for being happy, right. for happiness. Happiness is the only thing here. And the other one is that the people who are trying to control you, they use the fear yes. as a as a tool. Mm. But you need to use use uh, love and 
try to think of those three and I think you'll, you'll be fine. Good. Well, thank you very much. Halaki Ganyu. It's, it's a pleasure to have you in the studio. We wish you and your family uh, all the best for the future and uh, you're a welcome addition to Australian society and it's great to have you here and your family here and I hope you have a great future and continue the work that you've pioneered. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, John, and I appreciate this opportunity to come along today and share my story. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.